Circuit Cast with your host, Mark Emery. Without you, my life's going to be forever Tuesday morning. Welcome, podcasters to Circuit Cast, to your news and views on moving image and contemporary art. Uh, this week, I'm humming a little ditty by a Wellington 1980s pop group for those who remember far, that far back, The Mockers, as I welcome our critical panel members, uh, Thomas and Slay and Tim Corbellis, to a discussion around Amanda Newell's film, The Hoover Diaries. Uh, welcome, Tim. Welcome, Thomason. Thank you. Welcome. Do you guys remember the mockers? Is this of, of your generation at all? I'm afraid it's anyway. slightly, I think I'm slightly too young for, I'm just on the cusp, I think, of it being part of my musical and kind of cultural history. Also, because my, my family are immigrants, so we moved here in 1989, so um, ah, it's slightly yeah. outside. Just but missed it. Just missed yeah. it. I had lots of fun watching mockers videos as research for <laughs> pod on NZ on screen, which was really great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about you, Tim? Uh, yep, yep, yep. I remember the mockers. I mean, I, I was a little bit of a pop culture dropout in those days. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the mockers were big enough to make it into my consciousness. So they they were big, you know. I yeah. remember seeing them on uh, WP or whatever it was back in the day. Radio was pictures. And... Yeah, yeah, read it all. It's like they were kind of almost being kind of styled as some kind of Duran Duran New yeah, yeah, Zealand yeah. kind That's of. That's right. I remember they played my school hall and they clearly uh, <laughs> were a big part of Amanda Newell's life when uh, she went to see them play at Caroline Bay in Timaru. The band plays a key role in this 45-minute film by this uh, Stockholm-based New Zealand artist. It connects together, just to let listeners know, because it's pretty wacky in the telling, three seemingly disparate events that occurred during the artist's teenage years in the town of Timaru on the coast of New Zealand's South Island. So a mockers concert at Caroline Bay at the height of their fame. The introduction of fishing quotas and a murder over stolen pigs in which Newell's fisherman tombstone-making father was implicated. WTF, as they say in text <laughs> language. Newell calls this an anti-documentary. She sort yeah. of brands it an anti-documentary. Yeah. Do you think it is? Is that, is that a good term for it? I don't know. I don't know if anti is the right word. It's kind of like it uses um, like the tropes and um, visual kind of play of documentaries, but also kind of interweaves them with, you know, there's a lot of kind of video art in there as well with slightly abstract uh, shots of the sea overlaid yes. with diaries read out by uh, young children. Also, a kind of music videos, there's a lot of archival footage in there. And also this this aspect of performance that she brings, which is really fantastic. All the interview, uh, interviewers and some of the interviewees in the documentary are dressed up in these um, fish costumes, so kind of fish heads and... Uh, spangly, uh, skin-tight, um, fish-like stockings. Um, so she weaves together a lot of different sorts of types of um, visual uh, kind of representation systems, I guess, in a really clever and entertaining and... That's completely bonkersly absurd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of very clownish. Yeah, it? but it really compelling, I thought. I mean, I yeah. enjoyed it all the way through. I thought it was funny and, 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 and smart and, yeah, and entertaining, all those things. Yeah. yeah. You know, in a lot of a lot of moments, it does read like straight documentary, with the exception of the interviewer being in a fish costume. Yeah. Um, but you know, taking that out of the picture, if you possibly could, a lot of it does read fairly straight. You know, interviews, trying to get a sense of the time. You know, a bit of weaving in the archival, archival. material. Yeah. I just I was kind of thinking formally. You know, the one one reason it can't be a documentary is because 
of the disparate nature of the material. You know, a documentary would be going, a journalistic documentary would be going doggedly after its material um, and it would mm. be one theme. You know, it would yeah. be about transferable fishing quotas or it would be about the mockers. Or, mm. um, and this kind of throws a, a really interesting, you know, the, the kind of contemporary art conceit that what unifies a work is often what the artist is interested in. You know, that's the, the gesture of contemporary art being to say, hey, here's something I'm interested in, put it together, make what you will of it. Um, and it, it's almost like it's unified, even though she's not very present, particularly. She but is she's present. hidden as well because she's wearing the costume. And she's it's, even it's exactly. Too. I mean, I don't yeah. Know. yeah. So, but it all circles around her experience. I mean, these things don't fit together, mm. Mm. particularly. You would never make a documentary which really kind of put together that concert by the mockers and, and this particular murder and the introduction of transferable fishing yeah. quotas. It doesn't make sense. So in that and sense, it's could, an anti-documentary. You could split you know them I mean? up as well, couldn't you? <clears throat> Absolutely. There is, as we were saying off here, almost like an Alistair Barry-style New Zealand documentary take on the whole yep. privatisation and neoliberalism that came through with documentary footage and then yep. current interviews with a whole lot of the, the fisher folk who were involved at that time. And then yep. there yep. really is, if you stripped it away, almost a mockers documentary there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you're right, I mean, a, a more, um, I guess, a more conventional a documentary would have perhaps a kind of cultural or the music aspect would have a more direct relationship to the politics. Yes. Um, yep. I couldn't help thinking about it. I had just recently watched, there's a quite good Paul Simon documentary about the making of Gracelands. Oh. And um, it's obviously very explicitly about the connection of culture and music yep. and the politics yeah. of yeah. apartheid. Yeah. Um, but the mockers were pretty, I mean, there's no, I mean, it's pretty apolitical, right, what yeah. they were doing. So yeah. as you say, it's, it's it's not like the two strands intersect in a logical way. I mean, especially, like, I'm sure you could do a cultural reading of the mockers in terms of what was happening in the 80s politically if you were, if you wanted to, but would you really relate it directly to fishing quotas? Well, see, you well, know what I mean? It's, yeah. a, it's quite a... I, I got a really powerful <clears throat> sense, and maybe it comes from uh, being that generation that you kind of go, you know, my girl thinks she's Cleopatra, all these very, yeah. very banal songs by the mockers, yeah. that, you know, th 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 what is the role of pop music? And mm. this kind of change from the 60s and the Dylan generation of yeah. pop music being in the 80s, this real kind of antiseptic against really thinking about what was going on politically. Yeah. So when you, we all have this kind of great nostalgia button when we think back to songs and we celebrate them. Yeah. But how much of us were really Really conscious as teenagers of, yeah. of that time of what was going on yeah. within our political system it was in fact the music this yeah. kind of way of of keeping us in this kind of very very anaesthetized anaesthetized rather than actually really getting motivated as young yeah. citizens around some stuff that felt really wrong it's, it's one of the reasons why I feel a little bit immune to the kind of pop nostalgia thing which can go on and I think which is there a little bit in this video you know this kind of hey we've all got our memories 80s kind of aspect of it maybe because for me the 80s was a dark time mm. do you know what I mean and I don't have a sense that I want to listen to 80s music and go hey it's all so cheesy woohoo you know let's mm. have the memories I feel really immune to that to that kind of aspect of 80s nostalgia whatever you want to call it which pops up every now and then and it's it's not a criticism of the film as a whole it's a it's a very small part of the film mm. i think um but it's it's potentially in there i don't know what you guys think if if, if there's a sort of a 
slight nostalgia moment or... So you're saying that the possible pop element is kind of reducing or is kind of has a reductionist effect on the importance of the political message? Yeah, yeah. It, it could do. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't it, know, but as, no. as we were saying also, I fear that the, the, fo- the real focus of the film in terms of the actual content is mm. the fishing quota stuff. Absolutely. Obviously, the, all the kind of rogenomics of the 80s. and Absolutely. It's a really fascinating kind of micro-study of yeah. um, you know, one particular policy direction yeah. that, that, that the government took. The other bit to say is that this film has Andrew Fagan's kind of band now, Fagan yes. and the People, playing in fish costumes <laughs> at, at outside in Caroline Bay um, yeah. uh, to a whole lot of young kids. Yes. Kind of really absurd. And then, as you were mentioning earlier, that there's a whole lot of material that is voiced by kids. Mm. Yes. And it's put in the kids' voice. So it feels like there is something yeah, yeah. she's trying to push towards what... Yeah what children are kind of fed. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, eh? The, the use of child kind of narrators and to narrate her experience. Yeah. Almost to kind of represent her kind of childish experience or something as well. I mean, these you almost have a sense that these kids aren't quite understanding what they're yeah. reading or something like that. I couldn't eh? help but that's think right. it was kind of a a kind of unpacking or an unpicking of that the real narrative sort of documentary approach of having a kind of, uh, you know, a really dictatorial narrator who tells you what yeah. to think and what's going to happen next. Um, yeah. There have been a lot of really interesting documentaries recently, um, I think, about uh, which kind of unpack what it means to make a documentary in a moment where everything is being recorded now as well. So there's lots yeah. of interesting stuff happening in documentary. Um, but yeah, with the kids, I felt like that was a very deliberate um, kind of approach to to not just have like yeah. a series of talking heads or an, yeah. or a narrator. And I actually felt a little bit when Taylor Wells came on at the end, I felt like I don't know, it felt a little unnecessary. Like he sort of sta- started taking on that role yeah. of, and here's what happened in the 1980s. Yeah. I didn't want him context. either. Sorry, that sounds harsh. But I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want him parachuting in and and telling telling me what it was all about. Frankly. Yeah, because we've got, we've got it, right? Yeah. We've got it by that stage. Exactly. It was at the very so end. this is an artist, a self-described <clears throat> community conceptualist who's invited in um, to talk around that period, mm. that period of rogenomics mm. and what was going on. Yeah, mm. which I thought right. had kind of yeah, already been done. Just and... reduced it a bit to, yeah. we already knew. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Taking us back to the artist, Amanda Newell, that it, it does also feel like this is a kind of take on the memoir or that there's yeah. something there that is quite interesting about the way she, she treats this. Yeah, but also sort of saying that there's an, an ungraspability of the autobiography as well, which is yeah. really interesting. Well, again, just that she's so not present. No. You know, as a, yeah. as a person, particularly as a... I mean, they're kind of her memories, but voiced by someone else and then... But always mediated through a kind of another set of things going on. But isn't that what memory's like, I guess, yeah. what I was thinking. You know, maybe this, it almost feels like trying to think back, what are my yeah. memories of 1985? Yeah. And my memories were this murder and yeah. and the stuff that seemed to be going on politically for yeah. my parents. Mm. And, but she doesn't do all the things you might expect. You know, she doesn't do all the kind of standard things around memory, you know, having a having a kind of a greased over camera or a kind of, you know, soft focus, evocative, whoa, memory stuff. She doesn't do all, all of that stuff, right? No. She's doing stuff which is, even the interviews, you know, that's a strange form of memory, isn't it? To enlist interview in the service of memory. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And if, if this is a memory piece. Yeah. Then. Sort of summoning someone up to comment on your memory yeah. in a way. Yeah. 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 That's right. And also, interestingly, I'm just thinking there were very few shots of, considering it is so much about Timaru and the, the various um, uh, events that happened there, there are very few shots of Timaru as yeah. a place, I'm just thinking now. There's no kind sure. of like, 
um, zooming in on Timaru or, or panning across Caroline Bay. It's no, there's none of that. quite close um, yeah. in terms of the editing. And that you don't get a of sense of the layout of the town or the space no. of the town or the feel of the town, do no. you, at all? Well, I have to say also in terms of that introduction, I really felt quite lost a lot of the times in trying to put together the threads about what had happened with the murders. Yeah. and because of the sort of almost the unreliability of the way it's stitched together and that you don't have some kind of authorial mm. strong voice mm. running through it, mm. it, it was damn confusing. So I mean, even down to it, the title, right? We were all mentioning before, none of us quite know what the Hoover Diaries no. actually are. No. No. Mm. no. As I say, it wasn't deeply concerning to me by the no. time I got to the end where no. I felt like I had a kind of holistic sense of some of the ideas that she was trying to deal with. And yeah. also I just found it enormously entertaining the whole yeah, way yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking when, when we were talking about shots of Timaru, I don't know if you guys found really funny the, well, it's kind of terrible to say it was funny, but when they had the shots of some of the forensic experts um, actually looking at the crime scene of the murders she discusses, it had this overlay of, of a reporter saying forensic experts and police are investigating, and there was just this crowd of people in stubbies, like, walking around <laughs> this field. <laughs> oh, that was amazing, yeah. yeah. With no T-shirts on. Yeah, bare-chested. Kind of fossicking in this flex bush. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's not how you imagine Experts, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. They should be wearing white coats or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, thank you, Thomason and Tim, for that discussion. There is actually a series of screenings happening this month. You can head along to the Pyramid Club in Wellington on the 9th of July. You can head up to Geraldine from Timaru on the 15th to 17th of July, to the Wunderbar in Littleton on the 17th of July, and to the Audio Foundation on the 22nd of July to see the Hoover Diaries. That's Circuit Cast for this week. Brought to you with music from Talautalon, uh, The Mockers, and uh, with support of Create New Zealand. You can check us out at circuit.org.nz. Kia ora.